Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is finally happening. Many of you have been asking for it. Some of you didn't even know you wanted it. It's a podcast for InterVarsity alumni about InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and this is the After Four podcast. Now, a few of you know me, but I'm guessing most of you don't yet, so let me give a short introduction here. I've been on staff with InterVarsity for eight years now in southern Minnesota. I live in Mankato with my wife, Caitlin, and our daughter, Aurora. I'm a worship leader, a gamer, lifelong pizza lover, and apparently a podcaster, so that's a pretty cool development here. I'm also an InterVarsity alum circa 2011 from the Minnesota State Mankato InterVarsity chapter, so shout out to my fellow Mavericks who are listening. But enough about me, this podcast is about you. Uh, You and I will have plenty of time to continue getting to know one another over the airwaves here. I'm excited to introduce you to our very first After Four alumni guest, Eunice. Eunice and I had some great laughs as we chatted about chapter camp memories, unexpected career moves, what friendship looks like after college, uh, and a handful of other topics. But hey, that's probably enough of all this a-doing, so let's jump into my chat with Eunice. Enjoy. Eunice, welcome to the podcast. It's exciting to have you here. Thank you so much. Exciting to be here as well. So Eunice and I were just talking that we know each other. Where have we crossed paths before? We met at the camp at the end of the year where we go yeah. away for a week. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it would have been chapter focus week. There we go. CFW. <laughs> yeah, that's it. CFW. I think that would have been the year that the person who was supposed to be the worship director got sick. It was. <laughs> yeah. And then the day of somebody comes to me and they're like, uh, so our worship director is sick. Could you lead worship for the week? <laughs> I remember that. I had not prepared, and I had also never led this conference before. You were a part of my first Chapter Focus Week leadership experience. Oh, wow. Well, it was my pleasure. It didn't (laughs) go too bad, though. No, no. (laughs) It went well, but I remember at least. Well, hey, it's awesome to be able to chat with you today and to hear some of your story. That's really my hope for our time together is just to hear what has your experience been like since graduating? Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) no pressure. Before we get too far in, just so that you can represent a little bit, what was the school that you went to where you were a part of InterVarsity and when was it that you graduated? So I went to University of Minnesota Duluth. Okay. <laughs> and I graduated in the winter of 2018. I took an extra semester there. Okay. Not by choice, but you know, these <laughs> things happen. So Yes. <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes. So then you're coming up on your two-year anniversary of having graduated. Yes, I am. Does it feel like, oh my word, it's only been two years? Or does it feel like, wow, already two years have passed? You know, actually, come to think of it, I actually graduated the winter of 2017, my bad. <laughs> oh, so it's been three years. Wow. Okay. Oh, I wait two years. I'm a little short. <laughs> okay. Well, adulthood yeah. this is a part of it where you don't remember when college ended. Oh, my but, word. Um, yes. 
actually that flew by really fast. It's surprising how fast time goes by once you're out of college. I mean, going in, I thought, wow, that's four years. And then I realized it was going to be four and a half years. And I thought that was just forever. When will I ever get out of here? <laughs> yeah. uh, but then after getting out, it's already been three years already. And yeah, time just flew by. So let's start with just some reminiscing here. I know the last three years have been jam-packed with all sorts of new life experiences and everything. And I want to hear some of those stories as well. But first, what I would really love to hear is how did you get involved with InterVarsity in the first place? Oh, that's a good one. Taking me back all the way. (laughs) (laughs) It was the second semester of my freshman year. I have a friend on campus. Her name is Stephanie. She was a sophomore and she had been a part of InterVarsity since she got started in college. And so my second semester, she introduced me to the group and I am a pastor's kid. So okay. I thought, okay, I guess I should <laughs> yeah. I should get connected with a Christian organization. It was really just perfect timing because the first semester was a little bit overwhelming and just getting adjusted was a lot. And I think I was really searching for somewhere on campus where I could kind of be anchored. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll give it a try. And I remember our first meeting was in her dorm room. It was probably like three or four people, including myself, with like candle lights and things. <laughs> just nice. all girls. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so after that, I thought, you know what, this is pretty cool. So mm. I just kind of got plugged in from then on. So you got plugged in, you went to this small group with the candles and everybody hanging out together and you thought like, all right, this is cool. I want to keep checking this out. Are there stories that you can think of from your time with InterVarsity that you're like, this was either particularly important for my development or was really meaningful or just this is a really fond memory that I have looking back on my time? So one that was particularly impactful was being a part of the worship team. Okay. I think that was a good opportunity for me to just expand vocally and kind of express mm. that aspect of my talent. And then also being on the team with some other leaders and just connecting with those people in that way was really impactful for me. And honestly, out of my entire week, I looked forward to be able to worship with the um, university students. So that was a part of college and university experience that really some of the best times of my life. Probably. Nice. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. And then another aspect I'm thinking about overall was just being a part of the leadership team and leading a small group. Hmm. And, you know, you don't realize how those things are going to play into your real everyday life after college until you are actually there. But I realized that that taught me responsibility, just being Hmm. accountable because I had this group that I had to prepare for. I had to follow up with people. And I think it kind of set me up for what I'm doing now, where I'm at now with that leadership skill, or at least just getting me off in that direction of leadership. It's so interesting when we think about small group leadership and all of the preparation that goes into it. So often, I think we just zoom in on, I'm prepping for my small group. But then once your life expands a bit more, you realize, wow, I was developing some really helpful skills. I can lead a meeting because of this. Yeah, (laughs) that is so true. Like you said, how do I take care of the people that are here? They exist outside of just this time. And so how can I take good care of them? That's really cool that you can see some of those things carry over into today, all this time later. So really briefly, since we're talking about it, what are you doing right now? I am totally outside of my field. Okay. Oh, interesting. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I am doing finance. So I'm a financial advisor and just basically helping families plan out their finances and implementing 
different plans and walking with them through that whole process. In addition to training a lot of people to do similar to what I'm doing right now, a lot of new people come into my office, training them as well. So you have a role of being able to like directly help people that are looking for financial advice, but then you're also a part of training up other people to do the same work that you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Also, I would imagine some crossover from experiences. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> what, literally, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, wow, God, this is so crazy how through IB, I mean, I was basically doing the same thing. I mean, I'm so grateful that That's, I had that experience before. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Again, it's so easy for us just to localize inner varsity or just our faith development as like, this is just a part of developing who I am inside. And it's like, God is using this time to develop you in really practical ways too. Right. Let's say that some of your friends end up listening to this episode. Is there a particular story or anything that you've experienced that there are people who would love to hear like, oh man, I totally remember that. Okay. So um, a lot of fun memories from chapter focus week. Yeah. And one I remember was with Luke Olson and of Nathan course. Brown. <laughs> UMD is predominantly white um, okay. students and faculty. So our chapter really was learning how to integrate African-American students or just black students in general, you know, working through some of those things. Because at the time, there was a lot of racial tension going on with Michael Brown. Hmm. So that was the big thing that we were all dealing with. And I remember Chapter Focus Week, Luke was very intentional about connecting with the Black students. And we were having some Bible study time as a leadership team. And I don't know how we got onto hair, but, you know, hair is a big deal in the African-American community. So we got onto talking about that. And I don't know who decided this, but hey, let's braid Luke's and Nathan's hair. <laughs> now, at that time, Luke probably had hair about like an inch and a half max. Yeah. So there was Constance, um, who is another black girl, and she had some braids like what I have in. Okay. So what happened is that she undid one of her braids, and we used like the attachment to braid Luke's hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, I'll never forget it because he was like red all over it. And I mean, yeah. he's never had his hair braided before. You know, it hurts right. because it's so short and we're yeah. trying to grab it. He wore that to the large group gathering at CFW. And I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. That's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've got more ridiculous memory, but <laughs> that's okay. But, um, fond of it anyway. So for me, I look back on my college experience as one of the few times in my life that I would go back and do again. And it's because of moments like that. I think that those are just as important, just as developmental for us in so many ways as the the moments that we have in small group together. Let's start to bridge the gap between those times and where you are now. I'd like to know, as you were stepping into the next phase, were there things that you can look back on and say, this is a way that I was thinking before I graduated? Yeah. What were some of those expectations that you had going into graduation? Yeah, I had many of those. Okay. Um, Some expectations that I had, first of all, take a year off, get married, and then go off to medical school. That was one expectation. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, that didn't happen. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slightly different. Uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah, um, that was one. And then also, the plan was to get married and move in and just be super—I don't know—in like utopia with uh, my husband. 
Right. That was another expectation where we would just never argue about anything. There yep. would never be any problem. I couldn't imagine. Right. right. Yeah. What because married you people found... argue about. Like, <laughs> right. Because you had taken the time, you had waited, you had looked around, and you had found the right person. Right. Yeah. God Himself has ordained this relationship. Yes. And we are just perfect for each other. What could we possibly fight <laughs> about? I just don't know. So yeah. I couldn't imagine that. I didn't have any expectations of anything like that. So that yeah. was another one. Friendships, I expected to sustain those mm. really well. Yeah. Another thing too was just my spiritual life and just my relationship with church mm. and finding a suitable church. Because InfoVarsity was awesome. I mean, just young people, we're all going through the same thing. We can all relate Maybe we have classes together. And so it was just so easy. Older students who graduated say that it's a little bit harder. But once again, how hard can it possibly be? Right. We all love each other. Yeah. This is what Christian community looks like. Exactly. So I thought it would be easier to, to find another community, even if I wasn't as connected. Okay. So I'm going to use my powers of perception here and assume by a lot of the laughing that you've done as you've shared these things, that your expectations, not that they turned out bad, uh, but that things did not go the way that you anticipated. And you would be right. (laughs) (laughs) You would be right in that. Let's tell some stories here. You were going to graduate, take a year off, and then you were going to go to med school. So did you study something in that field while you were in school? Yeah, I actually studied biology. Okay. With a minor in chemistry. And so what did you hope to do with a, with a medical degree? I wanted to be an OBGYN. Okay. College kicked my butt just a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought, you know what, yeah. hey, we can still do this. Right. And so I was going to regather and then pursue medical school after taking a year off. And within that year, I was going to study for the MCAT. Mm going to take the MCATs and just do super well. I was going to apply to like 15 schools. I was going to do all those things in my gap year. (laughs) Yes. So then what happened? What happened during your gap year uh, (laughs) that ended up with you being a financial advisor and not an OBGYN? What happened was um, (laughs) I graduated. Well, procrastination sat in because then I had this wedding to plan. Ah, yes. And I thought that would be easier to just do both simultaneously in addition to just working like a part-time job. Mm -hmm. However, I got this huge stack of MCAT's study book. And Mm -hmm. if you have seen those things, four years of college is one thing, but studying for the MCAT's is just out of this world for me. I could barely remember what I learned in bio one. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'm ever going to do this. So I kept procrastinating. And next thing you know, I had to consider after the wedding, taking another gap year just to be able to study enough. So at that point, I started thinking, well, how passionate am I about Mm -hmm. med school itself? And when I look at the stack of books, I thought maybe I'm not that passionate about it. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And I thought, well, what are some other options? So I said, I could be a a physician's assistant, which is just two more years, as opposed to eight years of school and residency when it comes to medicine. But then just the same thing, am I passionate about going through the rigmarole of studying and applying because PA school is a little bit more competitive than med school itself. And I thought, I don't know, I might just like to watch YouTube videos of babies and and kind of call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So so that's, that's where my dream of being a medical anything started to dwindle, really. Yeah. But then my husband is in finance. 
Okay. And so he was like, well, you want to look into finance? And I thought, ah, right now I'm in limbo. So let me just explore. And so I started to learn a little bit more about it. I got connected with a financial company and I actually had to study to pursue my licenses and all these things. For some reason, that was just a lot easier than studying for the yeah. MCATs and PA stuff. But then right. I just fell in love with the field and working with families. And now I'm just not even thinking about <laughs> or considering medical school anymore. So I've been doing that since after my gap year. Okay, so you've spent all this time in school. You paid all of this money, invested all of these emotionally traumatic experiences oh, in, <laughs> in, uh, in all these lab classes and everything where everybody's just trying to constantly weed you out. You went through all of that to come to the end and to end up not doing it. Do you have a sense of, wow, I'm sort of frustrated that that's how this turned out? Or is it something you look at and you're like, wow, this actually turned out for my benefit. I'm really glad that this is the direction that God took me. You know, I'm probably more of the latter that you just said. That was just my path. And I always wanted to do something in medicine. I thought I did. And I'm realizing that it took all those years of wanting and hoping and studying and trying not to get weeds out. That's just how it should have gone. And that's just God's plan. I'm grateful for the things that a biology degree taught me. I'm grateful for how tough it was because now I know how to study and pass all my securities without stressing too much. And that field taught me those things. I'm grateful for the $35,000 that it took (laughs) (laughs) to do it. Well, that's that's really amazing. Again, I, I think we're noticing a theme here of God has used these experiences to train me for something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's degree in clinical psychology. Oh, wow. And I moved to Minnesota 10 hours away from home to pursue this degree in psychology and then get a PhD and do whatever cool psychology thing was going to happen next. (laughs) Fast forward one year also after graduating and I'm on staff with InterVarsity. God knew exactly what I needed to experience to bring Mm -hmm. me to this next place and to prepare me for it because I wouldn't have done it myself. I wouldn't have picked this myself. He knows us better than we do. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So speaking of people that know us better than we do sometimes, let's talk about you uh, being married here. It sounded like you knew coming out of graduation, you and your fiance at the time, now husband kind of had a timeline that you were working with at that point and you had expectations for what the following relationship was going to look like (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) what's that what's that been like since getting married oh boy yeah we did have a plan to get married after college and we did that that was fine the wedding was stressful it was a lot and I, I realized that maybe I'm not a planner or I just need to work on that. So that was (laughs) that was another huge lesson for me. But then after getting married, I don't know where they came from, but I guess I have problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hallmark for every marriage relationship. I don't know where they came from, but apparently I have problems. (laughs) I said, I said, (laughs) well, my parents never said anything about this. I don't know what you're talking about. But a lot of those hard conversations of, is there something just hiding deep down within myself that I don't realize? And it just kind of comes out in my marriage relationship. We're both in finance. However, you know, people have different financial temperaments. And so we had to, you know, balance out what is going to work for us versus what works for me and my family, what I'm used to versus what he's used to. So that that 
was another thing. And honestly, I don't think you can ever just fully learn how to integrate and just sail smoothly in any area. It's just kind of a work in progress Mm -hmm. that I know now. I think something that was really big for me, just the social media age, just the expectation that it sets, you're seeing other people's relationship Mm. and you're thinking that other people never have any of these problems. Why am I struggling with this? Or why is my husband like this? And taking it out on his spouse. I did a lot of that. And a few of my other friends are married. And so I'm just like, well, in my mind, this person's husband does this and this and this. And then I'm like, why don't you do this? It's not a civilized conversation. I'm just saying, you should already know. You should read my mind <laughs> yeah. and know what I'm thinking and automatically do it. So that was a huge lesson because I'm like, obviously it's common sense. So um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of those moments. And honestly, the deep conversations are painful. But then we learn, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I've known you for only five, six years and now we're married, but I need you more than I know. Mm-hmm. We're partners, we're in this and we're not going anywhere. So we just need to work on this and just be dedicated to that process. So a lot of those things and hard conversations, really. So that sounds incredibly familiar to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have been married for six and a half years now, and we have a two and a half year old in the midst of that as well. And congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's amazing how the best things in your life are simultaneously the hardest ones. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to write that somewhere because literally that's it. Yeah. That is it. I need to be reminded continually that I spent way too much time watching romantic comedies growing up. And oh, you too? Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good ones out there. And then I got married and I'm not bashing my marriage whatsoever, but it is amazing just to see the expectations that you've set. Like I'm committed to this person forever because they're perfect. And, and because we are (laughs) perfect and because we're perfect for each other. And then you quickly find out that while that may be the case that you may be perfect for each other, like you may be the best match that you could ever want. There's so many hard things that happen. Man, relationships in general are really difficult. And it's interesting when we've had these experiences in school where we're placed into these communities of people, but this is not the way it looks every day outside. And so thinking about going from this marriage relationship with your husband, what has broader relationships and thinking even within like church community, how has that been different than what you expected going into graduation? Yeah, I expected to be a lot more of a people person and Mm. just sustaining those relationships or just starting new ones without a lot of effort. (laughs) Yeah. College, you're you're around everyone. They're all right there. Now coming out of college, first of all, with the friends that I did have that were really close, which were my roommate, we stayed in touch for a little while and we would have Friendsgiving. We have a chat. We always, every single day we talked. However, coming out of college, it just fades over time, you know, Mm. because I'm not seeing them every single day. They don't know every aspect of my life. If I'm not making a conscious effort to make weekly calls and just kind of update people, it just fades over time. Mm -hmm. And Within that, I've learned a lot about myself. It takes a lot of work for me to stay in touch with people. So it's caused a lot of relationships to just kind of fade. Now, when I see them in person, again, it's like nothing ever happened, but everyone isn't just pick up where we left off five years ago. So that has been a little difficult. I think it's super easy for us to have this experience of like, oh, all of my best friends should stay my best friends. And I do think that there are some of those relationships that go on forever. And I think that there are some that just kind of naturally fade away. 
and that's painful, but I think it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're dishonoring those relationships or that they weren't meaningful, uh, but I think even some of our best friends were our best friends for a season. I had some roommates in college that all the time we were together and I went to a Christian college, so I didn't have an inner varsity experience in college, but I had those tight knit relationships that were founded on mutual interest and mutual faith. And here I am a decade or more later that I look back on, I'm like, oh man, why don't I ever talk to these people? I still miss them for sure. But recognizing that the Lord has provided me with people here and now, and not that I wanted those people to be gone or to be replaced, but that we served the purpose that God had for us in that time. And it's okay to bless one another to transition to the next phase of yeah. life and friendship. I mean, you just phrased that so perfectly because I was just thinking that when we're thinking about how friendships should last forever, we're thinking about that on the basis that we're not going to change. And right. that those who we are friends with are not going to change as well. That's another thing I've realized where, you know, people are in their own little nook of life. And as I am, and we are totally different people than what we were three, four, five years ago. Yeah. So naturally, it just kind of happens like that. This is bringing me a lot of peace in oh. letting some of those relationships just not go necessarily, but just, hey, thank you for that time. And I yeah. Mean, um, the other side of it is, am I making connections with people right now and yes. establishing those new relationships? Yes. I was not. I am hoping that those relationships would be established maybe in a church setting. I mean, I have some friends at work, but it's work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's work. It's a male-dominated field. But coming out of Ivy and just finding a new church community has been like, I mean, I'm being honest, and maybe this is going to help someone somewhere, but that is my struggle area yeah. all day. You are not alone. Okay. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> just relieve the burden. I'm like, okay, I need to be a good Christian and just figure it out. I found this church that my husband was actually going to. That's his, his church home. You know, we would both go. He was super connected with the church. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not as connected. And, you know, that's a tough situation because do we find a whole new church? How do you really explore that? So that was tough for me. And then the virus happened and we we're like, okay, well, there's no church at all. <laughs> no people in actions. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a hard place to be right now. Yeah. Again, when you have that community that really is organized in such a way to help people connect, obviously we want students to meet Jesus and to have their lives transformed. But we also want students to meet other students and church is not always that simple to set that up. And I do not want to do any church bashing or anything, but I think that we're recognizing that especially younger people today are really struggling to connect well with church communities. And even people that we've been trying to train up well to go and to be a part of church communities are really struggling to transition well. So as you think about some of your experiences with the church, are there places that you can identify of like, this is something that's made it really difficult for me to connect? I mean, as you're asking that question, I'm just thinking about what you said earlier with university making it easy to connect. I remember we had different events for the different seasons. And I think one of the ones was in fall where we would all go sleep over somewhere yeah. and just all hang out. And when you think about that, how easily relationships are forged, the connections are just like so strong. You know, my friends have seen my morning face and this is our <laughs> second day knowing each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so that standard is just super high. So now with me, my, my husband and I, they all know him. They all know each other. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm naturally friendly, but 
obviously it's it's tough to get integrated. That made it really difficult because university set the standard pretty high. College in general made it really easy. But now going that extra mile to be the outsider coming in and just making all that extra effort it is really difficult, at least for me. It's like being a freshman all over again, except that you're the only freshman. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only new person on campus. Having you know been a part of churches for my entire life, I think it's really easy for either the new person or the established person to just get wrapped up in that part of their identity and to feel sort of at odds with the other people who aren't. And both the new person and the established person have to make an effort towards one another or else mm -hmm. like new people getting incorporated in the congregation just isn't going to happen. And that both sides of that equation have a responsibility to seek one another out. And there'll be times that it just doesn't happen, like that it doesn't yeah. work, you know, which is similar to when you came to campus. We always talk about, hey, take some time to explore different communities and just like find the one that really fits you well, but that you can also invest in. And so much the same thing with the church congregation. Find a place that you can fit in, but also find a place that needs you. Eunice, I, I hope that this isn't me stepping out of bounds here, but I would say in particular, being a woman of color, like you are in a place where there are many communities that need you. They need your voice. They need your life experiences. You said like, I'm a fairly outgoing, personable person to be able to bring the things that you've experienced and be able to share those in a way that invites people to be a part of that with you. Not that you have the full perspective of how the world works, uh, but you see parts of it that I don't. And you are an image bearer of God in ways that I am not. And that means you engage with God in ways that I don't understand, but that you can help reveal God to me in ways that I didn't know about. That's why fighting for our brothers and sisters in faith, whether it's becoming a part of a community or helping our community understand things that they didn't understand before, I think that that's part of what makes it so worth it to go through that battle because we need each other because I have something that you don't have and you have something that I don't have. That's so true. Man, okay, can I be on this podcast again? <laughs> yeah. This has yes. turned into like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's. Uh, I, I would love to have you, Eunice. I know that our time is short. I have several more questions that I really want to ask you, but one in particular if you could go back and tell young, about to graduate Eunice something, um, what would you have wanted to know? I have kind of a saying that I always tell myself, at least, and I wish that I knew this before graduating that will allow me to give a little bit more grace. Yeah. Um, and that would be there's always something that you don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yes. you you're understanding where I'm coming from with that. Yes. <laughs> There's always something you don't know because the world is so vast. The experiences that we're going to have are so vast. And so if I could go back and tell myself and someone graduating right now, there's always something you do not know. Now, if I told myself that, then I would be a lot more flexible with changes <laughs> and maybe not beat myself up so much yeah. because there's so much I've learned and I've come to understand within that time frame that God has exposed people into my life, exposed situation has taught me different things. And so with that, it leaves room to have a lot more grace on yourself and always people around you. 
That's fantastic. There's always something that you don't know. Those are some wise words, Eunice. And I think that those are words that will serve people who get to hear this. Eunice, thank you so much for your time and your experiences and just being open about your life and to show us that we can laugh about things that just didn't turn out the way that we expected. It's been my pleasure. Honestly, this has been so therapeutic. I mean, just laughing about it, like you said. Thank you so much for this time. I really appreciate it, probably awesome. more than you know. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you so much, John. Well, there you have it, friends. There's always something you don't know. Uh, words to live by, I'd say. Whether it's the dude flying past you on the interstate with his middle finger sticking out the window, or that passive-aggressive text from your spouse, I'd recommend treading carefully. There's probably something you just don't know. Hey, something else you might not know is that there are already more episodes of this podcast for you to check out. You should give them a listen. I've really had a blast making them, and let's be honest, there's been a pandemic going on, so we both know you've already depleted all the watchable shows on every streaming service you steal from your other family members, so just go ahead and jump to the next one. I think you'll really enjoy my chat with Kyung, an alum from the Milwaukee School of Engineering. And even if you don't, please don't tell me. I'm a nine from the Midwest, so I would be crushed. Hey, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one, alumni.